Yeah, and I totally hear the people who do get up too early because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a it's a hard slog. I mean, there are some really smart things that you can do, but for the first six months of having my blog, all I did was write and build community. I never had any intentions, if I'm really honest, about building it into a business. I just loved the medium. I loved writing. I loved sharing my experiences. I loved the engagement and interaction that I was starting to get with my like, you know, five five readers. <laughs> um, so I think for me, I was just super focused on understanding the art of blogging and the craft of it and loving the medium and building an audience versus how am I going to make money from this until such point that about three to six months into that journey, I was so low on cash. You know, when you read those stories about people who are down to their last like $20 and I used to look at those and go, really? And I actually got down to my last 17 and I was like, oh no, this is, this is real. And this feels really, really shitty. You are hearing from Natalie all the way in New Zealand. She's actually in Wellington, New Zealand, and I am in Wellington, Florida. Um, literally both in Wellington on opposite sides of the world. And she has had so much success from a huge blog to being a best-selling author to having an amazing podcast. Now she is taking all of that knowledge and she is teaching you how to get paid by just being you. So how to take your likes, your passions, your knowledge, your experience and make money from it. So many people want to start a side hustle. Maybe they have a side hustle and they want to turn it full time. Maybe they're already doing something full time and they want to start something else. Or they just want to grow what they're doing. She helps you do all of it because she has been there, done that. And she actually has something to give you. So write this down, make a note, nataliesisson.com slash media maven. Um, I'm going to link to that in the show notes, but she has a guide, nine steps on how to get paid to be you. It's at nataliesisson.com slash Media Maven. And I hope you enjoy this episode right now with Natalie. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Natalie, thank you for joining me on the Become a Media Maven podcast. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm happy to chat with you about all of the things. Um, I want to talk about your blog, you being a best-selling author, your podcast, and how you've made all of this success happen. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about what you do now, because a lot of what we're going to talk about on the podcast today is how you've built up to what you're doing now. I mean, obviously, you can't do what you do now without the past that you've had. So tell people what you do now, and then we'll kind of backtrack and talk about how you made that happen. Yeah, I'd love to, because it's been a journey. Um, so currently, I basically am over at my own uh, brand platform, natalisisson.com. I'm a business coach, and I'm a I'm a leading learner, actually, at the end of the day is what I love to call it. So I'm always just a couple of steps ahead of the people that I'm teaching to get them up to speed. I'm super curious, always learning, and I essentially want to help people get paid to be them. So figure out what they're great at, what they love doing, what people will pay them for and what's meaningful them, meaningful to them, and then how they can monetize that. I love it. And this is what you did yourself starting back in the day 
with oh my gosh, so far back. <laughs> <laughs> well, when did when did you start your blog, The Suitcase Entrepreneur? I officially started it in two thousand and nine. Uh, late 2009 and then it became the suitcase entrepreneur at the end of 2010 so it was you know it was still figuring out the name and title at that point it was um yeah so quite quite a while ago okay so when you started blogging okay so now remind me when you started blogging in 2009 what are we now we're now we're in 2020 um Mm. it was still pretty new then correct I feel like I'd missed the boat a little bit, actually, to be honest, on blogging. Okay. I feel like it had been around already for five to ten years, um, and I was quite late to it. That was back when Blogger was a thing, and I was like, gosh, I'm a little bit late to this party. But I guess if people are coming into it now, they must be like, girl, you were so far ahead. What I was probably um, early on was the digital nomad um, location independent sort of theme and um Yeah, that, I was pretty early to that, right around when Tim Ferriss was doing his thing as well. So... I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah, I started blogging in 2015. So if right. you started in okay. 2009, then I think, oh, wow, you got in there early. But I was just, <laughs> I mean, I was just in a different industry. Like I was working in TV. Mm-hmm. And when you worked in TV, you weren't really allowed to do anything unless it was approved by a boss. Right. So that was a struggle. But yeah, oh my gosh. And then you were totally early on the digital nomad thing. Um, that's amazing. Okay, so your blog, you started it. And then you started to monetize it. And I feel like this is something so many people try to do and they give up without being successful or their definition of successful. So take me back to the blog and when you decided you were going to try to monetize it, like what did that look like? Yeah, and I totally hear the people who do give up too early because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a it's a hard slog. I mean, there are some really smart things that you can do, but for the first six months of having my blog, all I did was write and build community. I never had any intentions, if I'm really honest, about building it into a business. I just loved the medium. I loved writing. I loved sharing my experiences. I loved the engagement and interaction that I was starting to get with my like, you know, five subs five readers. <laughs> um, so I think for me, I was just super focused on understanding the art of blogging and the craft of it and loving the medium and building an audience versus how am I going to make money from this until such point that about three to six months into that journey, I was so low on cash. You know, when you read those stories about people who are down to their last like $20 and I used to look at those and go, really? And I actually got down to my last 17 and I was like, oh no, this is this is real and this feels really, really shitty. Um, so at that point, it was kind of, I need to make it work. I was doing a little bit of consulting work, but I was like, there's got to be a way that I can monetize this blog. Um, and that's when I started creating my first digital offer. So I didn't go the mainstream of ads. I think I played around with it, but I went straight into what's a digital product that I can create because I'm writing all the time that I can sell on my site. And that was the very first thing that I monetized on my blog. The first thing was a digital product. And then by mm-hmm. that time, you built a community. So how did that go, selling your first digital product? Do you remember how many people you pitched it to and how many people bought it and for how much? Yeah, actually, it was the – so I remember it beautifully because I'd been running a social media boot camp in person in Vancouver, Canada, which is where I started this business and blog. I was living there at the time. And I'd run a sellout um, – social media bootcamp workshop and had gone from like zero to $15,000 because I tapped into some government funding and I got 
about 30 people through and they're all paying really, really good price. And I was like, can't I just do this online? Because there are all these people who are reading my blog by that point who are like, oh, I would have loved to come to that, but I'm not in Vancouver. So that is the thing that I put online, sort of a mini course. Um, and I remember that I decided to run a webinar. I just, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to go all out here. I'd been following people and launches and figuring it out. I ran a webinar and I had 100 people register. I had 30 people show up. I was deathly sick on the day. I caught some random 24-hour bug so I could barely talk. It was really not cool, but I went ahead with it. And I made one sale um, for 297 US dollars. And I was so thrilled. Christina, I'm not going to lie. Like some people would be like, oh, what a flop. I was so thrilled that somebody was willing to pay me $297 for this online course that I'd put my heart and soul into. And and I was just thrilled. And then from there, I think I got around eight to nine more people over the next four to five days. And then it went to just kind of continue to sell. Um, so that to me was just, I think everybody can remember their very first sale on the internet. And for me, it was that. And I was just thrilled. I love that. And I love that you were happy with one sale because I feel like I today when it comes to online business, people talk about their sales and they neglect to talk about how much money they're spending on ads or how much money they're actually keeping or profiting. And, and if they got one, like they wouldn't brag about having one sale or they'd be disappointed with one sale. So I love that you were like excited about it. And especially for your first one, because there's so many people yeah. who create things and put them out there and launch them and they don't get any sales at all. So having one and then followed by a few more, that's actually like really good and amazing. So very cool. Um, backtrack a little bit. How did you build community? You said all you were doing was writing and building community. What did the community mm. build look like? Yeah, because I made a big mistake on this too. Um, it essentially was on my blog and then using social media because I had been on social media since about 2005 or six. I guess I was right there when Facebook came out and Twitter and so and LinkedIn. And I built that up with um, a tech startup that I had co-founded. So the whole point of that tech startup, my role was to market it with zero budget using social media. So I got pretty good at understanding and using social media for that. And then I just took that over with my blog. But I didn't build an email list. And that was a massive, like, mistake. Um, so actually, most of this was just on social media, bringing people back to the blog. And then I finally had a way for them to sign up to email. Um, and I grew a pretty small list initially. And that was the way that I essentially um, got my community to grow. So I figured out that you don't own the social media sites, but you do own your email list. It took a while. And um, I just kept inviting them to come and join that. I had a really great opt-in. I think it was called the social media workout for entrepreneurs. So it was quite nice that it tied in really well with my main offer. And it was just a really popular ebook at the time. It was free. It was, um, really some of my best work, which I think you should always do. You should put your best things should actually initially be free to show the quality of work to people. And that's how I built my list slowly but surely from a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand and then just ongoing. Um, and that was the main medium that I used to market and promote any offers. And I think the key to that all was just really understanding my audience. Like at the time, they were pretty much following me because I was that leading learner that I talked about a couple of steps ahead of them. And I was I was sharing everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, the steps I was taking. Like I was just in that super curious mode of learning and applying. And I think it inspired lots of people to come on that journey. So I totally knew where they were at because I was only, you know, I feel like a couple of months or maybe a year ahead of them. And I knew where they'd be at and I could really feel what they'd be going through, um, which I think made a huge difference. 
I love that. Okay, very cool. So you're slowly building over time. You are um, getting to the point where your blog is getting tons of traffic. And you talked about how, you know, you're not going to sugarcoat this. It was hard. You made some mistakes, like not building your email list right away. Um, What were some of the bigger mistakes that looking back that you were like, oh my gosh, I would have been so much further faster if I didn't make this mistake. And what Mm -hmm. were some things looking back that you were like, this was one of the huge things that got me pretty far, pretty fast. So talk about the good and the bad when you look back at growing (laughs) the blog. So I think the biggest mistake that I made was a personal one and that I didn't believe what was possible and I didn't probably fully credit myself with what I was capable of. So for the first six to 12 months of my blogging journey. I was just so focused on writing and building community, but I didn't actually believe that people would maybe want to buy from me. I didn't think of it as a business. So my biggest piece of advice to people now is like, start with the intent of what you mean to go on. So treat your blog as a business from day one and you approach it completely differently. I think I approached it initially as a bit of a hobby um, and then I saw some traction with it versus going, oh, this could actually be a really amazing platform that suits my style of teaching, of coaching, um, and that I'm going to be decent at or even good at. And so how do I monetize this from the get-go? And I think you can do that in a really, really ethical and authentic way that aligns with you and the funny thing is christina people were asking me how can i join your email list do you have anything to buy way back before i had anything on offer and that was a very clear sign but i think somewhere deep down i was just not quite ready to be an entrepreneur it was very new to me i'd co-founded a tech startup but this was my first thing on my own um so i would say to people yeah like if this is something that you really really want to do treat it with that professional attitude from the get-go even if you feel like a complete newbie and do as much learning and upskilling as you can um and make sure that you have something out of the gate that you can actually start earning money from because you're going to need it (laughs) so you're going to be putting a lot of labor of love into this and it's just really important that you're paying yourself for it and then the thing that i think um looking back that I did do really well, and you're going to love this, is I was a bit of a scattergun approach, but I was actually pretty good at getting some great media outlets um, on early on. So I was very good. I used Haro, help a reporter out early on. I would reply to a lot of the requests. I would um, do quite a bit of guest posting. I was just really, I guess, preemptive and reaching out to people on whether I could post there, whether I could share something. Um, I'd reach out to the media and publications. As I said, it was a little bit scattered, but I just was keeping on top of what was happening and just taking pot chances. And I had a decent way of crafting a pitch and some of them landed. And then I started getting some pretty decent media um, initially locally and then further into the US. And that was just really good for the credibility point of view. And then I think people started taking notice and coming across to the blog. So it ultimately built my email list and more of my kudos um, and just sent a lot more traffic my way. Um, So I think that was the one thing that I did really, really well, even though I said it wasn't particularly strategic like you do with your clients, but it worked. Like I was just trying anything and everything and landed some pretty awesome press pieces and write-ups as well. And you were probably getting a lot of backlinks too. When you're featured in the media, they link back to you, which helps your SEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was. And um, that just grew the traffic a heap. And just even being able to put those logos on your site, I remember when I got asked, um, actually it was incredible because Forbes put out an email 
no, it was in one of their blog posts right early on, probably around 2010, and they said, hey, we want to talk about how do you make the most of your summer as a business? So how do you make the most of that time off when people go um, offline to still thrive in the summer holidays? And I remember writing a piece all about it and tagging them, and then they actually took that piece and published it on their own site. Yeah, they obviously asked me if they could. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, Forbes has like repurposed some of my content or linked to it. And then the next minute, I kid you not, and I still remember this email, it was literally the subject line was Forbes calling. And I was like, is this a spam? And I opened it up and they're like, Natalie, we really appreciated your response piece to our request on, you know, what do you do with the holidays and business? And we'd love to know if you'd like to be a contributor to Forbes. And I was just, I remember... <laughs> I can still hear the smile in my voice. I was super excited because it was so early on and I was like, this is amazing. So yeah, if you ever get that email in your inbox, it's probably one of the best feelings in the world. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. And I like that you used Harrow. So a lot of people ask me about Harrow and I actually, I I I mean, either way, (laughs) I'm in Florida, you're in New Zealand, it works. (laughs) Um, A lot of people ask me about it, and I created a video, I'll link to that in the show notes, and I actually did a podcast episode on it, because it it used to be a lot better than what it is today. Um, It has since been bought by another company, and they kind of let anybody post anything on there, so you do need to be mindful of who's posting what and and how you respond and when to respond and and all of that. But I know people who have done like little Harrow experiments where they're like, okay, for one month straight, I'm just going to use Harrow. I'm going to pay attention to every three emails a day that come in and I'm going to respond. And, and when you really use it correctly and use it strategically and can, you know, weed out the bloggers looking for free products and the websites that get no traffic and go after some quality stuff. Like you can get a lot of good things from Harrow, but there are there's a lot of competition and you have to learn how to use it. So I'll link to a video mm. of that in the show notes because I think that's super helpful. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, talking about multiple revenue streams, you started with your digital product um, mm-hmm. and then... What were some other things, just focusing on the suitcase entrepreneur, like were you getting money based on the traffic at at some point as you started to grow a little bit bigger? Tell me the different ways you were making money from this. A little. um, The first product, as I said, was the social media bootcamp for entrepreneurs. So that was an online course. And then I just kept asking my audience, where are you at? What are your challenges? What do you need? And I would literally create as I went, something for them. Um, so the next thing that I created was the <laughs> the entrepreneur, the ultimate entrepreneur's toolkit. Um, and it was a PDF of all the tools that you needed to run your online business. It was really definitive. Um, and I also turned it into an online, I guess, repository where you could get some videos on how to use some of those tools more effectively. So there was the PDF and then there was this online portal. So two different price tiers. But the thing that I did pretty well with that is I actually got sponsors on board. I was going to put these tools in the book anyway, but I said, hey, I'm writing this book. I want to include you because I love using you as a tool. I only put tools in the in the book that I loved. And I said, would you be willing to have a sponsor spot where I'll do a little bit of a longer write-up about you and maybe a short video? And I think people paid between 100 to 500 US dollars for that sponsor spot. And I was like, oh my gosh, these businesses are willing to do this. Um, I had a little bit of an audience by then, a little bit of an email list. So that's what I pitched them on. And I think I got around 
two and a half grand in sponsorships at that point, which was really awesome. And I, then I think the design of the book, because I went to a proper designer, was over two grand. Um, so I was like, hmm, need to work on that next time. These days I do a lot of my own design where I have it in-house. But that was a really great eye-opener for me because then I went on to sell that um, ebook and the like the online portal. And that did really, really well. Um, but also that it was tied in with sponsorship. And from there, I had started my podcast around that stage, around early 2012. Um, and I did bring on sponsorships and advertising pretty early on on that as well. That's so amazing. That's what a good idea. Yeah, I know. I, I think about it now and I was like, hmm, I should do more of that because I had a very engaged audience. I knew exactly where they were at in their stage of their business journey. And for these businesses, they were like, oh, that's our ideal audience. And sure, I'll pay 100 to get in front of them because we're spending, you know, tens of thousands on ads and not necessarily getting the same engagement. So I think often when you have a smaller but very intimate, engaged audience, it's very appealing to businesses that want to promote and advertise. And you have to keep it aligned with your values, right? Like I loved these tools anyway, so I wanted to talk about them. I wouldn't just take anybody on who was completely left field, um, you know, like a weight supplement drink or something. I was very aligned. Like these made a lot of sense to where my audience were at. So I sold the ebook and the on online portal access. So it was a bundle. It was like the ebook or the premium, which included some more videos around how to use the tool. So I sold that to my community and anybody reading my blog and it went really, really well. Um, as a product that was on my site. And then the next thing that I did was probably my most successful. It was called the Build Your Online Business Guide or ebook, but it actually started as a free blog series. I wrote 12 definitive blog posts over the space of 12 weeks. It was pretty intense. And these were everything about building an online business that I knew, know, and had learned. And then I bundled it into a book. And I was very open about it. I said, you can read all of these for free on my site, or you can buy the ebook for $37. It's fully beautifully designed because it was, and it's got links and, and bonuses to it. And then I had an advanced ebook version which had an hour coaching call um, that people could access and I had an audiobook version so I did the three bundle pricing and that just I sold over a hundred thousand dollars worth of those digital products over the space of several years I mean it, it blew my mind and it I just loved that book and that book actually then eventually became a pretty major course for me where I took the ideas out of it and turned it into the freedom plan so I guess what I have done fairly well over the years as a lot of people have called me the queen of um, content repurposing because I'll just take something and I can put it into so many different formats and monetize it which I think is smart because we want to be efficient with our time and people love different mediums they love video or they love audio or they love written or they like a combination I think it's really smart to put your products and services into those different formats and see what works I think it's so smart and I think it's smart that you know exactly who your audience is and you create for them where they are and you're not like – because I see so many people, right? And they, they're really good at one thing. So then they create something for that one thing. And then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then they're teaching all of these other things. And it doesn't really make sense. Like, for example, mm -hmm. I saw this – like, Lewis Howes. I, this was years ago. I don't follow him anymore. But years ago, I saw him – he was selling some kind of like grow your Instagram thing. Mm. And I was thinking like, okay, what came all before this? And he had a lot of stuff that came before that. So by the time he was teaching people how to grow Instagram, he's already been on the Ellen show. He's already had a popular podcast. Like when you've been on Ellen and you have a super popular podcast, by default, 
your Instagram channel is going to grow. So he can't really teach people how to grow Instagram unless he's going to teach them how to get on the Ellen show and how to have mm. a super pop. Like it just didn't line up. It didn't make sense. So I like yeah. how all of your stuff, like it actually makes sense. You're not reinventing the wheel. You're teaching people how to achieve the same goal, but you're just doing it in different ways in different formats that works for them. I think that's so super yeah. smart. Can I add to that? Because I too sort of, I, I just want to make a really great note of that. Like I followed Lewis for a while. I've met him several times and I just think some of the moves that anybody makes when you get to that level of really bizarre. And I remember seeing that too, going, why on earth would you release a product on this? You're kind of at a different level now. The thing that I would see would be a mastermind or an event. And, you know, he'd done all those things as well. So it felt, it felt like a really quick sell or like a, a low-hanging fruit that was just, I'm going to throw this out there and see if it works. And I felt it wasn't very in alignment either. And I'm even going to put my hand up that at one point I got to such a point of being who other people saw as this expert that I think you can get too big for your boots and you forget about keeping it real and taking it back to where people are at. So even I've done that and I was advancing in my business. So I wanted to teach more advanced topics and take people to the next level, but they were still a couple of steps behind. Right. So I think you've, that's why I'm just such a big fan of always asking my audience where they're at. And I do an annual survey every year where I ask questions and it's great. All the gold nuggets that come out of that tell me exactly what's top of mind for them, what they're struggling with, what they want to learn, how they want to learn it, the areas they want to grow in. And then if I'm smart about it, I take that, I usually publish it um, on my site, which I just did recently. And then I go and I look at, okay, great. How can I create content to feed their desires and what they need to learn versus what I really want to teach. And I think there's a fine balance. Like I will teach stuff that I love, but it's still got to be something that they actually want to hear. Yeah, I agree. Like I have people reach out to me all the time and they're like, can you teach me how to be a TV host? And I'm like, I could probably sell that and make a lot of money selling that. But in reality, no, I can't because I went to school <laughs> for journalism. I interned mm -hmm. at TV stations in college. I went to like TV reporter boot camp, and then I worked as a TV reporter and anchor for 10 years to become a freelance TV host. So no, yeah. I can't teach you how to be a TV host. Like it doesn't work like that. And I just feel like a lot of these people think, oh, here's a quick, easy way to make money. I do this so I can say, I can teach you how to do this. It's, you can't always teach people how to do something that you do and you're good at, mm -hmm. depending on how you got there, right? Like it just, it just doesn't make totally. sense. So yeah. yeah, that's just another example. Okay, let's switch gears and talk about, so you are a blogger, you're doing a lot of writing, you're doing a lot of creating content, um, and then you added best-selling author to the resume. So tell me about that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I did. So I, I finally had a book in me that I wanted to write. I don't know if you know, but it's something like 95% of people want to write a book. I know, we uh, have a mutual friend, Azul. So I know oh, all about yes. it. <laughs> yeah. But even before I think I met that lovely man, I just, I kept seeing that stat. And then I was like, well, how many people do actually write books? And it's a really small percentage, even though yeah. there are millions of books out there. Um, so I think for me, I'd always wanted to write a book since I was a kid, but I was never going to write one until I felt like I really had something worth writing about. And for me, that was around 2013. I'd been in this business for like three, three and a half years. I felt like I finally had something worth writing about. The Suitcase Entrepreneur was a really established brand. And I was just like, yeah, it's time. So I have, I don't know why I've done this to myself, but I tend to crowdfund 
my books because I think crowdfunding is an awesome vehicle to basically build an in built marketing platform of people who just love what you do and it's also a great way of testing whether you should actually launch a product or write a book so I crowdfunded on Kickstarter for the suitcase entrepreneur I did a terrible video in Borneo where I was at the time I had a fly land on my nose it was humid and hot and I just really shot this video from the heart and said here's the book that I want to write here's what it's going to cover and if you want to support it here's how and it was awesome I think I raised about ten thousand US dollars, which felt like more than an advance that you get as a first time um, author. And I also got this huge audience of people who were just willing for me to make this book happen. And then I said to them, I'll get it to you in three months, which was ridiculous, but it really gave me a, a crazy deadline to get it done in. I wrote I wrote like crazy while I was traveling the world and running my business, and especially in the last month, and I actually got it out in July of that year. Um, and then I went on a book tour while I was traveling the world, which was super fun in different cities around the US, Canada, um, a little bit overseas as well. And it was just amazing, and it became a bestseller, I, I truly believe, not just because it was a well-written book, and I'm really proud of it to this day, but because I had this inbuilt beautiful tribe of people who had followed me from the start, who had been on the suitcase entrepreneur journey with me, who had, you know, pledged to the book and were willing to like review it, share it the minute it came out. So that was huge. So you were self-published, correct? I did self-publish. Yep. I self-published the first and second edition. And then here's the crazy thing. I went to crowdfund my next book in 2017 and I had a publisher come to me that that I I worked with an agent this time to see how that would work because I really wanted to try hybrid or traditional publishing. I'm just one for testing everything and then making my mind up. And self-publishing is amazing because you get full control and freedom, but you also do all the work. And um, this time I was just like, oh, what would it be like to get my book into stores and and bookstores and airports you know the dream and so an agent pitched my new book the freedom plan which was based off one of my courses so this is another way to repurpose and, and keep using your own content and um they actually really loved the suitcase entrepreneur because they saw how many sales it had had and how well it had done and they said would you be interested in allowing us to publish the third edition with it a $25,000 advance. And I was like, uh, hell yeah, because it's been out for four years already. I'm super thrilled. It's done really well. I've done well out of it. I love it. And yeah, I'd love for a big name publisher to do that. So that was amazing because then it went into bookstores and outlets. Um, and so that was crazy. It did mean that my Freedom Plan book was delayed by about two years, which I felt a little bit bad about with all the people who crowdfunded for that one. Um, but then that came out and became a bestseller again, because you know, on Amazon, if you if you work it right and you have enough people buying it or reviewing it the day it kind of goes live or the week that it goes live, you can you can hit the bestseller category if you're smart about it. So it's a combination of great writing, great audience, and timing and marketing. Um, so it's crazy, and I've literally just done the third crowdfunding campaign. I don't know why I do this to myself because it's a ton of work. It's like a launch for my third book, which is completely different in topic. It's called "Suck It Up, Princess: Real Life Strategies to Get Out of Your Own Way and Be the Heroine of Your Own Life." So it's much more a personal growth sort of personal experience book. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the challenge of writing something quite different that's not business focused and more mindset and personal growth focused. So I yeah. Love that. I love the title, Suck It Up Princess. Book, Thank you. Me that's too. A it's a little one. bit out there. Okay. So mm. self-publish, you mentioned you have complete control, yeah. but it's a lot of work. I mean, you, you put yourself on your own book tour and you did all of that planning. Um, how do you yeah. sell the books? I mean, obviously it's your marketing, it's your book tour, 
But that is like a full-time job, just the marketing to get these books sold. What was, you think, something that was like, you know, the the deal maker and the deal breaker, right? Like the biggest mistake and the biggest win, like we talked about with your blog. I mean, I almost burnt out. That was the, I had mild burnout after that because it was intense from the crowdfunding through to the three months of writing to the publishing, to the getting it out, to going on a tour. And you also have to invest quite a bit of your money. So even though I'd got about 10,000, you know, in crowdfunding, then there's fees off that. And then you have to invest um, yourself. You have to pull together the copy editor, the editor, the designer, the formatting. Um, and I think the real key to the success was having the Suitcase Entrepreneur brand platform. And these days, traditional publishers, hybrid publishers, they all look for you to have a platform. It doesn't have to be huge, but the more people you have on your list, um, the more people who are following you, the more engaged they are, the more likely it is that your book's going to be a success because most publishers do zero marketing to help you out. So just know that up front. That's crazy. And, um, I found that out like oh, a couple so of years crazy. ago and I was mm-hmm. shocked. Like, Everybody yeah. wants a publisher because they think they're going to sell your book for you. No, you still got to do that. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And, I mean, I th- their methods of marketing are completely traditional and outdated in my mind. A lot of them, some of the, you know, like Hay House and stuff, they do a really, really great job. They build a funnel for the author, you know, through to their course. It's smart. But most of them are just sitting on this tried and true traditional industry that's like, going to die out fairly soon and like it's it's like pivot or die basically so yeah you have to do so much of it the maybe the one thing they might do is get you some traditional press which you know all about they might get you on a show but for me I was for my second well when I was the suitcase entrepreneur I was over in New Zealand by then and it wasn't like I was gonna fly over to be on I just wasn't gonna make it to fly over to be on a show if they said can you be on the show tomorrow morning um so it was just interesting I got most of the press for that book as well just in terms of podcasting tours and um outlets interviewing me etc yeah so I think that's something that people need to know up front Um, With the Freedom Plan, I did hybrid publishing, which for people who know is you don't get an advance and you don't pay the hybrid publisher. And sometimes you actually have to buy a certain amount of your own books, but they do all the things that take a lot of time and money. So they do the formatting, the editing, the design, etc. They work with you on it and they take a cut of your book sales, but not as much as a traditional publisher, which take around 90% until you pay back that advance basically through your book sales. So a hybrid publisher is quite a nice combination for people starting out who want to write the book and can market it, but don't want to do the whole, how do I actually get this book formatted and selling? And they can also often help depending on which one you go with in getting it distributed into bookstores. So they have the relationships like traditional publishers do. And then self-publishing is as I said, you take the most profit, you have the most freedom and the most control to do whatever the heck you want, like putting it on special, um, sharing it differently, distributing it differently, changing the cover if you want, writing it however you want and publishing it however you want. But you also take obviously all the effort and costs on of that. And I'm definitely swaying towards self-publishing or hybrid for my next book um, just because it makes most sense. Very cool. I've never heard of hybrid publishing. I've heard of self-publishing and I've heard of traditional. And this is good to know because I have been tinkering in my head. With, <laughs> I was wondering if you had a book in you. It's uh, tinkering. Um, I've <laughs> taken a query letter workshop. I am going to be taking a proposal letter workshop um, just because I just I don't know really anything about it. Luckily, I have people like you. We have people like Azul. Um, to help us and answer questions. I'm, I'm still, like I said, I'm tinkering. Like right now, 
we are under lockdown. I got a business to run. I got three kids at home. Like I'll get to it when I get to it. It's not a priority right now, but good to know about hybrid publishing. I didn't know that was a thing. So good information. Um, okay. Before we wrap up, I want you to tell us, um, quickly routines. You're big on routines and you've had a lot of success. You've got a lot of things going on. How have <laughs> routines helped lead to this success? Oh, I think they've been probably one of the most powerful things that I missed for so many years in my life. Like I can do quite a lot in a not scattered, but like strategically scattered way. Like I can handle a lot of um, pots all boiling at the same time, but at some point that's just not going to work and you're going to fall over or lose energy. So I learned pretty early on about just having some structure and discipline, which actually leads to freedom. And freedom has been my number one value in life for as long as I've known. And it's ironic that you need structure and discipline to get it because it actually is the thing that creates more time and space and energy for you. So I have a morning ritual that's been serving me really well. I've played around with it a lot, but since implementing that, and I've had various stages of success throughout my life in doing that. When you're traveling, it can sometimes be a little harder. But if you can take one little moment of your day and carve out this beautiful ritual for you that gives you energy, that allows you time to reflect, that sets your intention for the day, take it and protect it like there is no tomorrow. So for me, I have a morning routine that's yoga, a little meditation and journaling. And then I go into a short 15 minute planning session for the day using my own life pilot methodology. And it's just a really like, what are my three most important actions for the day? And eat the frog early, like do those first. Um, and then the rest of the day, I calendar block out exactly what I need to be working on with some flexibility for exercise, for time out, for playing with my dogs, um, for conversations, etc. So I think you, the biggest thing for me that I've learned over the years is know when you have the most energy and focus and use that time to do the most important things in your business. If you're a night owl, do it then. If you're a morning lark, do it then. But carve that out and protect it like crazy. And then the other things you can do later on in the day, when you're, you know, wanting to chill out a little bit more or admin or calls and things are just a little bit easier. And I know it sounds like, oh, there's a bit more structure to my day, but I just think it makes a huge difference and actually frees up more time and gives you space to actually do the thinking and the creative work that you really love to do. No, and I think it's right because I think a big part of being successful is consistency. And we've kind of talked about, you know, people giving up too early or you like, working at your blog, you know, it's something that you have to do for an extended period of time to start seeing results. And you can't be consistent if you don't have structure or discipline. And that's why having a routine is so important because you have to keep at it to be successful. We were just talking on your podcast on Untapped about how almost, uh, well, a little over half of the podcasts that people start, they stop. And that's probably because they lack structure and discipline and they're inconsistent. So I think that's, that's super good advice. I myself am a tad obsessed with calendar blocking. So I'm a hundred percent. Yes. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Um, I mentioned untapped podcast. That is your podcast. I have been on it. So clearly it's an amazing mm -hmm. podcast. People can find you there. <laughs> People can find you there. Where else can they find you? I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Where else can they, they find you if they want to find out more about you? 
Actually, I'd love for them to just hit me up. I'm at Natalie Sisson on most of the platforms, Twitter, Instagram, I think even just Natalie Sisson on Facebook. But I've got a little gift for your beautiful listeners, which yes. is a guide, a guide and an audio guide and a workbook on how to get paid to be used. So basically nine steps to monetize yourself. Um, and they can get that at nataliesisson.com forward slash media maven. I love it. Okay, hold on. Repeat that one more time. So nataliesisson.com forward slash media maven. Oh, you guys, it doesn't get easier than that. I'm going to put it in the show notes anyway, in case you're running or driving or whatever. Okay, <laughs> awesome. I'm going to check out that guide, nine steps, how to get paid to be you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you. Remember to grab that guide on how to get paid to be you. She has broken it down to nine easy steps, and you can grab that at nataliesisson.com slash media maven. Again, that's in the show notes. So is a link to her podcast, to her best-selling books, that Harrow video I talked about, so you can pitch the media and actually get the coverage. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining me. Make sure you grab that guide. How to get paid to be you. I mean, that's like the most amazing thing you get paid to do, right? Get paid to be you. Nine easy steps. NatalieSisson.com slash Media Maven. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me and being here today. I appreciate you. And I will see you again. You can hear me in your earbuds next week.